The Ectoplasm Show is brought to you by North KC's Big Rip Brewing Company. Lighten up dark matter, have a craft beer. show our founding members of the pod belly podcast network go to podbelly.com where you too can pig out on podcasts all right what's up everybody welcome to the ectoplasm show my name is josh hurd and joining me doing things a little bit different tonight we got our buddy jeff back we got our pal sam back as well what is up gentlemen we are shaking things up tonight. <laughs> we are. Um, Koopsik, I'm, only call, I'm only here to cause all kinds of people problems. Dude, really, that's, that's great. certainly my whole <laughs> thing. We're all going to be on an NSA list by the end of the night. <laughs> that's the point, man. Uh-oh. That's the goal. If we're not already on those fucking lists. Oh, my gosh. I know, I know man. But Josh doesn't know that. Josh doesn't know that when, they, when the NSA wants to pressure you, they just send aliens. Oh, great. <laughs> so that'll be fucking great. And he's not even talking about Mexicans. <laughs> no, not even Mexicans. Nope. I'm talking about the gray ones that, uh, that, uh, that butt sex likes to, likes like to have the, parties uh, with. Like to probe things and stick things where they shouldn't go. Man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so Coop six under the weather. Literally, what, 15 minutes ago, gentlemen? You were asked to, to be a part of this. <laughs> and so here we all are. But thank you guys very much for for doing this, taking the time uh, out of your evening to uh, to spend it with us. We appreciate that. Hey, well, thank you, thank you guys. At least for the union of. rate, right? That's right. That's union. right. <laughs> wait, wait, where there's a union rate? Yeah, apparently, I have no idea. <laughs> we'll just take it up with Koopsik. He's got it. <laughs> we'll take it out. We'll take it out of Koopsik's royalties. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there's so much money. In podcasting, let me tell you. <laughs> it's, I mean, you should have no idea how much I'm raking in. Oh, my gosh, I tell you. <laughs> so great. Good for the fat cash. So, guys, we kind of hinted at this. Now, Jeff, when we had you on the show, was, God, was this last week that we had you on the show? Two weeks ago. Two weeks Good ago, show. okay. Um, we, we kind of started talking a little bit about uh, JFK and all of the uh, mystique and the conspiracy melting pot that is surrounding the whole JFK scenario and specifically surrounding November 22nd of 1963. Um, this is a topic that has fascinated me forever. Now, we have mentioned this on the show before, like we've gone into it a little bit. That I feel like something tells me that tonight we might go just a little bit deeper than we ever have before. So, Oh my gosh! So I just want to hop into this. So, um, Jeff, I'm gonna well, kind of like just before we start, let me yeah. put you, you and and your and your listeners at ease that that I will not be destroying your guys' uh, ideas of of this this storyline <laughs> like I did with Mothman, dude. That was I got, great. Uh, you'd be surprised at not not I wouldn't say angry emails. It was more like no. just spite, hate filled emails. Uh, and the thing was, is it came. It, they were like, "Damn you for being making so much damn sense." That's and, just it. You know, I've ruined so many people's 
ideas of whether or not the Mothman was real or not. But I, I don't apologize because tonight I am I am I am going to throw some stuff at you guys that probably get me in some trouble. Fucking right, I like it. <laughs> I, I think Sam's heard this stuff before too. We've had some conversations offline. Yeah, I like yeah. it. This is like the one. It. This is the one conspiracy that I that I will totally tell you that I buy into, and uh, I've seen and heard things that lead me to believe that there's there's really. There's really a lot of stuff out there that, that hits the nail on the head with what actually happened. Nice. Well, you know, th- this I, I, I wasn't privy to the conversation two weeks ago. I haven't listened to that episode yet. But this is the one conspiracy out there that regardless of where you land on any of the different ideas that are out there, the government admits that there's some sort of conspiracy. You know, yeah. it, there, there's no question as to whether or not there's secret shady shit going on that we don't know about. <laughs> They're just not going to unredact the shit so we know which secret shady shit is out there. Exactly. Right, right. But what I tell people a lot of times nowadays, if, if you have any doubt in your mind that there's any kind of conspiracy surrounding this. So uh, we, we all know that 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 Mr. Donald Trump, the president, he, he would love to just throw massive amounts of people under buses. I mean, this, <laughs> the, the guy is there to just totally, for all of his other faults and crap like that, he, he, he's really there to throw a middle finger up to the to the establishment. Sure. And when he says, I am going to release these documents, and then within a week, he completely, without explanation, backtracks, which means that somebody with, with, a, with, a, with a Q clearance or higher uh, came in and sat down with him, and, and Q clearance is not like one of those other clearances people make up. That, that's a real clearance. But uh, someone with a Q clearance sat down with him and said, um, "Hey, Don, this ain't gonna fly, man. You got <laughs> you got people who are alive that are going to be implicated in some of these documents, and, and not just that, but you're going to be really throwing the entire American way of life under the bus if, and this is a big if, if according to those documents, the U.S. government was culpable in any of the activity that led to the assassination of, of maybe maybe the last greatest American president. And I say that knowing that I'm a Green Beret and that he gave us our Green Berets and established us. Yeah. So I do have a little bit of a you know non-subjective point of view when it comes to John F. Kennedy. But as a you know he was you know he was the he was the last of the old school Democrats that were really you know, back when when there was really was a line to be drawn between the Republicans, and Democrats that were more based on, uh, you know, what they really believed in rather than just following political lines. I think a lot of politics nowadays is just doing what the party tells you. Yes. He, he really stepped away from b- both his own party and and the other party and government, you know, government institutions. This man is the guy who put the middle finger up to the military industrial complex and uh, ultimately may have paid the, the ultimate price for it. Yeah, for sure. I would totally agree. Definitely one of my favorite presidents. That is for damn sure. For damn sure. Right. But, you know, it, it, just talking about JFK as a character, as, as a part of American cultural history, and, and looking at Donald Trump and a lot of the issues that we have right now with the, you know, the machismo, you know, uh, all of the, the sex and the infidelity and all... We we had in JFK the person that we knew that this shit was going on, but we didn't want to talk about it. Now we talk about it, and it's dirty and nasty, and you yeah. know it, it's really really interesting. And I am as as bleeding heart liberal anti Trump as you can get. <laughs> Despise the motherfucker. Yeah, I'm not a big fan <laughs> myself, and, time, I, and I'm and I'm fairly conservative. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, at, at the same time, all of these things that 
that you when you look back and try to objectively look at JFK, you know, he was the the rich. I have no real connection to the real people. Um borderline deviant kind of guy that was in there because he was in this 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 line of of rich I, I don't know it's it's just re- really interesting as different as these two people were how many parallels you can strike yeah. and we can't find somebody to shoot this bastard be careful there Sam there's I, I thought people people in black cars be knocking on my door they might be knocking on yours brother no but um it's yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think that there was a, there was a, you know, uh, excuse me, Josh, but no, I good. think there was a, there was a moment with JFK where he was the first president to be inundated with media, in its, in its, in its, you know, television. He was the first president to conduct a, a live television uh, debate. Um, there was no where, there was no all president. Okay, John F. Kennedy wasn't the first president to be doing, you know, some some underhanded friggin' no, sexual no, not at all, shit. not at all. But he was the first one where he couldn't hide it. Right. And, uh, you know, it was very much in, in the in the in in America's face. And even if there was no conspiracy as far as the CIA or the Bay of Pigs or, or Vietnam was concerned, just his in, in the in the time of the Cold War, where it was us against the Soviet Soviet Empire, if you will, um, he, he, he presented in the eyes of the establishment a, a security risk with his with his behavior, especially with like Marilyn Monroe and. And uh, and and other, you know, the one of the CIA's top guys, he was sleeping with his wife, and and that goes into the very much of the conspiracy, which is something that came out in later years. But um, there's been a lot of stuff that that proves that that he really was he was he put himself in a in a real bad position with a bunch of really bad guys who were up there wanting wanting him to if if not if he was not killed by the government itself or there was no conspiracy, he definitely put himself at risk. With, with some of the some of the activities that he part- partaked in. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it is interesting to look at uh, like Sam was suggesting like some of the uh the parallels that are there uh between John F Kennedy and and Trump. Um but I mean, yeah, it's it is kind of weird how <laughs> he all of this was going on. We all knew it was going on and yet people just like you said, they just did not talk about it. Um uh, it was just kind of weird, but yeah, now that's all we fucking talk about is just like, you know, who's, uh, who's he banging? Well, it, you, you still also thought back in that time and, and the media handled a president different than they do now for sure. But people believed that he believed in the ideology that he was putting out there. Sure. You know, regardless of whether he could truly identify with the little man, People thought that he was really out there trying to do what was right for the country, even if he was off stooping somebody on the side. Right. And and he was America's sweetheart to a certain extent. When Jeff talks about he was the first person who had these live televised debates, this was the first time you really had to be a good looking guy to be the president. Exactly. Because right. everybody had to see him. So not only do you have to be a good looking guy at this this point, but he comes up and and he he has the the pedigree and the lineage and the family, um, the family name. He's got the war hero background to him. I mean, he he was the perfect fit. Yeah. And he comes out and he's on everybody's TV looking handsome, and everybody did fall in love with him. So, so while they both had the same playboy type scenarios going on, 
he was the one that we all loved, whereas Trump's the one that everyone loves to hate. Sure. You know, I mean, right. And we, we say all, that understanding all, that none of us different. were alive back then. We, we talked right, about him right. in, in, the, in the past, but we all we all can see the history channel and and how yeah. he was portrayed. That's so just I it, agree 100 percent with you, Sam. And that's just it. Like you just you just hit the nail on the head, man. As far as the American people are concerned, uh, the general public now is able to to see like this debate, for example. He's standing up there. He's number one. He's very well spoken. He's very personable. He's poised in front of the camera. He looked comfortable and he he's yeah, a movie star. Exactly. Exactly, man. Um I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just very very interesting stuff to me. Now, obviously he wins the election and I mean just from that point on there's a lot of shit that starts to kind of go on, right? I mean, <clears throat> and I don't know Who's necessarily to blame? Who's pulling strings here or there and for what purpose? I mean, we could talk for days on that. Um, why everything in the country was going on um, and how it all came to fruition. I mean, but we just know like JFK found himself in, in the middle of shit show after shit show after shit show. I mean, and, to be, and thrown under the bus by, by, his own, by his own people. I mean, set up the Bay of Pigs. Itself. First yeah, of all, the Bay of Pigs we had a, was common, a, shit we had a show. common enemy. In the in the Soviets, you know, the yes. communists were the the ultimate enemy of the United States, and um, you know, we we think about it looking back now, things like you know the Red Scare and the McCarthyism mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You, you can never imagine nowadays for there to be you know people brought in front of Congress to talk about what their political background is. We've we've got right. we've got people from all different political backgrounds, uh, and openly and not socialist in a bad way, but an openly socialist president has just left office. So, I mean, he openly was followed some socialist ideals he associated with people who had they been around in the 1950s would have been in front of Joe McCarthy yeah. and being getting grilled up and down um having said that that's the America we were at we had made the enemy we had made the Soviets so much the enemy and not realizing that not more than 20 years before that that they were our allies in a war against you know a massively a very bad enemy in the fascist but at the but same time though yeah, go ahead. I, I'm sorry but but it's not just that we don't just have the Red Scare and this this weird political switch between um, Russia being our friends and Russia being our enemy and the socialism communism bounce back and forth. You also have America that is is tearing itself apart as well at the same time that he in inherits right in the middle yeah. of the civil rights movement and all of that stuff. He couldn't turn a corner and, and go anywhere where he wasn't pissing off one group or another. And, and kind of decapitalize on all of that is is this idea of, of communism that has to be quelled, and all of a sudden it's at our back door, or yeah. our front door, wherever the fuck Florida is. Right. <laughs> so, so for a little backstory, like what Josh was saying, here's two things that we have to keep in mind as we go forward with this story. So in, during World War II, the United States, uh, the greatest generation, had the majority of its military power pushed forward into Europe and the South Pacific. Uh, we were definitely under attack still at home by by agents of the fascists and of the totalitarianistic government of Japan. Uh, we were being spied upon. There was there was threats for sabotage. Uh, there was attacks that were on the United States that, that occurred during the time that you never really hear about unless you're into history. So they had to find some way of protecting America's interests at home, uh, specifically the, the docks and, and the shipping and, and import and export business. So the United States government turned to what was then known as the Black Hand, 
or now we know him as the mafia. And it is not a secret that the United States had become had the FBI go out and make a deal with them that if the, the if the mafia had who owned the unions, owned the docks, owned the shipping, if they, had they protected the docks from any kind of external threat that they would pretend. And we all remember how they used to that the FBI used to pretend like there was no such thing as the mafia. This all comes from that, right. that they would pretend that they did not exist. So there was a, an unspoken contract between the mafia and the United States government to protect the docks of our own country during World War II. This went on for years afterwards, and a lot, that all changed when the president appointed his younger brother to be the you know, attorney general. And one of the things that, that Robert Kennedy saw when he first got in was the advantage and the, the um, just amount of criminality that the mafia was taking, was boldly taking and just doing it out in the open and not caring because the U.S. government just denied their existence. So that he was the one that initially broke that treaty, if you will, uh, for good reason. I mean, these guys were criminals and he openly went after them. And so that is one thing you have to keep in mind that that the criminal organization that that goes way back, way, way back, all the way back to Sicily. They they were part of the the assistance in overthrowing Mussolini. Uh, They were part of protecting the U.S. government during World War Two. Now they've been shunned by this by this administration and not only shunned by them, but outed and now. Kennedy, you know, Robert, Robert Kennedy was going after them at the time. Yeah. He so that's was, one thing that you have to keep in mind that, that, that does play into a lot of what goes down later on. And he was really trying to clean fucking house too. Like he was yes. not beating around the bush at all, <clears throat> but he pissed a lot of people off. I do know that. <laughs> right. So then part two, and then I'll, I'll let you guys have at it with, with the rest of the stuff was Bay of Pigs. So for years, the the government had fought this war against you know the spreading of communism, and it's not it's not a secret that that the Joint Chiefs of Staff and that and that the military industrial complex really had the crosshairs on the on the Soviets. You know, um, even with all the problems we had at home, they really wanted to have it out with these guys. Uh, and Kennedy just wasn't interested in that. He he was more interested in having a secret phone with Khrushchev, which you know was a way that we averted the the. Uh, you know the Bay of P- the 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 crisis that occurred after the Bay of Pigs with the um, Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah. But the he told the the CIA who had been openly just doing what they want, even on U.S. soil, that he was not going to support the Bay of Pigs invasion, and he he withdrew all of his military support uh, through, by way of air aircraft and and naval help, and this and found out, um, and this is something that is is debatable, but I will say that I have it on good authority. That he found out much late in the morning that after it kicked off that they had gone through with the operation, and to save the administration and the, hey, and the face Jeff. of the United States, he actually went on on and took the blame for it, saying that he knew about it and it was just a failed operation, even though the CIA had gone off and you know roughshod on him and the government by just trying to kick off this operation that had been already turned shut off. Wow. Jeff, just just for a little bit of background, I know you're giving some background right now. Uh, tell the folks out there exactly what the Bay of Pigs was, because this wasn't really an American military operation. This was the CIA going in, and and they went and rounded up a bunch of Cuban nationals that Mm -hmm. had um, left Cuba to immigrate to the United States, and they they basically armed them, pseudo-trained them for Mm -hmm. this one job, and sent them with the idea that they were going to have American military support, American air support, to go 
take Cuba back from Castro and the revolutionaries. And, and, and then we decide that we don't really want to do that. At least part of our, our government does the other part of it starts going in. And what you end up having is all these poor bastards storming this beach in Cuba with no support and they end up just being fodder. Yeah. Right. Right. They, they had initially, and what shut, shut off the operation was Kennedy had found out that they were training in Texas and in Louisiana. And uh, he shut it. He said, no training these guys on U.S. soil. It's going to, you know, we can't. They, well, they had kicked off. Against, yeah, it was against the law. The CIA is not allowed to authorize to, to, you know, train foreign, you know, insurgencies on U.S. soil. So then they pushed it over to, to Mexico City and they, they, they completed it there. But Kennedy had seen the writing on the wall, like you said. He's like, look, this just isn't in the U.S. interest. I mean, for God's sakes, we it's put. a political nightmare. Yeah, we yes. put Fidel Castro in power when we helped him overthrow Batista. Yes. And so now, uh, just a few years later, we're going to go ahead and and we're going to do. You know, it just wasn't. And also, he was working very hard with 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 Khrushchev to to build this 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 underground network to avert nuclear war. Uh, it was just not in the interest of the U.S. government at the time to get involved in trying to oust some some pitiful little dictator in 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 that that really doesn't mean much of anything to anyone except for his loud mouth. And but what they did in the meantime was they gave. The CIA, who felt like they had been thrown under a bus, uh, and Cuba, um, all the all the ammunition they needed to really, really despise uh, John F. Kennedy. So you've got you've got the CIA, who is now at risk of being shut down by Kennedy. Uh, he had threatened to shut down the entire operation. He said that, that anything because the military training, like Sam said, should not have been done by the CIA. It should have been done by and this is I know I'm not subjective, but it should have been done by the Green Berets because that's what their jobs was is to train foreign soldiers. And there was no military involvement in this training of these military guys. It was all intelligence officers training these guys up. And so they were they were ill-trained, half-ass equipped, and not authorized. And they went and they kicked off this operation anyway because they figured they're the CIA, they can do what they want. Right. And it ended up being a giant, giant disaster, really, and a PR disaster for the United States. I mean, they're standing there basically with their fucking pants down. Dicks in the wind, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, that's it. <clears throat> now... Just for a reference point here, at that time, who was the director of the CIA? At that time, the director of the CIA was uh, Dulles, who, um, if you guys can remember, years ago, there used to be an airport in the United, in uh, Washington named yeah. Dulles International. Yes. Uh, and Dulles was the director of the CIA during that time. The Bay of Pigs invasion, or the failure of, of Bay of Pigs, led to the firing of Dulles. Right. And uh, it, the guy who was placed as the assistant... And this really, as we all know, and, and, and Sam being a former officer will let you know that the XO, your assistant operations officer, really does run a unit. And the agency sure. is no different. So Dulles uh, fell on the sword for the guys who were below him. Um, a new guy took over, and his assistant guy in charge was a, was a man named, uh, named George Bush, who, who is now the assistant director of the CIA for operations. Yeah. So anything that the CIA did operations-wise was was done uh was 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 in the hands of him he was from texas he was very good friends with uh with what would be the vice president of the united states at the time and uh he was he was well known to have been read in that the cia was very close to being shut down um i mean you're talking about weeks weeks from being shut down by by the administration when the so-called what has come to be known in 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 the special operations community as the big event began to be planned and the big event is what happened in uh on Friday, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, in Dealey Plaza in Dallas. Wow. 
It's pretty interesting stuff. So the big event, the big event <laughs> again, that's what I heard <laughs> now kind of going over some of the, the documentation that has been released so far. There's fucking yep. millions and millions upon millions of pages here, right? So, like, it is a pain in the ass to really go through everything and, and see um, what exactly is going on and really get a grasp at what is going on. But I do know <clears throat> that this this big event that you're mentioning here, there were fail-safes, obviously, put in place. Now, obviously, with any good plan you're going to have a plan b or c or d or however many others set in place um and if it could not happen in dallas it was to happen in in at least a couple other places um and all of this was strategically planned out um yes yeah there were there was there was rumors that there was an la plan right uh, there was a plan for uh i think miami uh they really liked the idea of doing it in Miami because um and this is all assuming that the conspiracies are right guys uh right. The, the plan for Miami would have really worked because the intent was to pin this on the Cubans exactly uh, and you're only 90 very miles much away on Castro you know so uh that, that just fell through because uh in my opinion um the vice president of the United States Lyndon Johnson who was uh, he just he really wanted to send a message to the other Washington establishment that it was done in his backyard um, that's saying now that that's me saying that I think that Lyndon Johnson had something to do with it. I very much do believe that other than the, the close circle that, that Kennedy had around him, that there was very many people that knew that this, this incident was going to happen, uh, and very much goes very close to the top with, with, you don't pull this thing off and have the, the cover that existed afterwards, you know, assuming that this is correct, uh, without it going very high up. Um, all the way to the to the office of the vice president of the United States. Sure. I mean, you have to look at who who benefited the most from from Kennedy being assassinated. It would be the CIA by not getting shut down. Sure. Um, the backing off of of RFK against against the mafia, and ultimately who was going to be the the guy who who took over as the 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 president of the United States. Uh, when you look at you know standard you know criminal you know you know means motive and an opportunity. And who benefits the most? Those right. those three those three are the ones who benefited the most from this incident happening. So I mean, let's then let's just let's just call a spade a spade here for a second. Then okay, I mean, if if Lyndon Johnson then is obviously next in line uh, for the presidency, should anything happen to John F. Kennedy, I mean, he would have to be privy to this information. Well, obviously, because when you look at things like the Warren Commission and everything, and and the very and I don't think many people would dis would even if you don't believe in the conspiracy theory, the investigation and the the whitewashing of what happened there and the it was I mean very poorly done and very quickly done and very like yes. matter of factly here's the evidence. So much like you said that in uh, in 1979 the House Select Committee on Assassinations, which is our own government, uh, came out and said that uh, no, not where there are three shots, there were four. And there is all the evidence in the world, the state. Now, these guys have seen the documents that no one else has seen. Right, and they're saying right. that there absolutely was a conspiracy. That's impressive, too. That's very impressive. <sighs> I'm just, I'm so, just, yeah, go ahead, Sam. I'm sorry. No, I, Jeff's going to kind of unwind this for, for us, I, I would guess, over the course of the next three or four hours. How, how long is your show? <laughs> it's an hour. Oh, so, but, but. <laughs> 
just just to kind of because I didn't even know this is what we we're going to talk about tonight. Just to brush me up on this, there there are about three principal ideas of what this conspiracy could be. Everybody agrees there's some sort of conspiracy. So before you tell us what what you think is is the real the real thing out there, kind of recap what what the prevailing ideas are um, amongst the the people who have literally people have spent entire lives now studying this. So so what are the prevailing winds say that this was? You want to start? How about we start with what what the what the common statement of what happened was? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So the part, here's here's the official line. story. Sure. Yeah. The official storyline that is uh, the 35th president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, on Friday, November 22nd, 1963, was doing a press tour and a promotional tour for his upcoming election. At 12:30 p.m. in Dallas, Texas, in Dealey Plaza, he was riding in a 1961 Lincoln Continental with the top off. In, in, a, in, a, in a city, yeah. and inside the car was himself, Jacqueline Kennedy, his wife, Texas Governor John Connolly, Nellie Connolly, his, the Texas governor's wife, and two Secret Service agents who were riding in the front. Uh, at 12.30, from the sixth floor of the Texas School Depository Building, according to, uh, according to uh, you know, official records, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, a uh, known anti-American former Marine and... Uh, person who had a lot of ties to the CIA for some reason, um, fired three shots from the sixth floor of the school box, school, Texas School Book Depository, striking both the president, Governor John Connolly, and one bystander, and killing the president, who was pronounced dead at Parkland Memorial Hospital later that afternoon. The School Book Depository... Uh, at some point, a few moments later, like a half hour later, he shot and killed Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett. And then once he shot and killed him, he moved from that location to a to the Texas, what was called the Texas uh, movie theater. And he sat down inside the Texas movie theater after buying a ticket. Now, with no police calls made, and again, I'd say this because this is the official story, and this one really always gets me, the cops all of a sudden show up. They arrest Lee Harvey Oswald for the murder. He was arrested for the murder of officer J.D. Tippett. And then later that day, it was it was announced that he had been, you know, now he was going to be the guy who was going to be found guilty of killing the president. That later, later, that a couple days later on Sunday, November 24th, 1963, no more than 24 hours after Oswald goes on national television and states, I am a patsy. At 11.21 a.m., uh, Texas strip club owner Jack Ruby finds his way into the parking garage of the Dallas police headquarters while while. Oswald's being moved and shoots and kills Oswald inside that thing. So after that, there was a 10-month investigation by the Warren Commission, and they said at the end of that 10-month investigation that Oswald acted alone by himself and with no other help in the killing of the President of the United States, and it wasn't until 1979 that any further investigation was done by the government itself. We've all seen the movie JFK, and we know that that the the you know, attorney general for the for the city of New Orleans, uh, he tried to bring some charges against some guys after Robert F. Kennedy was killed. Uh, that that didn't fall through. Some guys were found guilty of some kind of conspiracy, but it was some weird. We've all seen that movie, so uh, that movie is very very good. So that's the official story. Now, like Sam said, uh, here's what some of the other some the unofficial story or the story that is believed to have happened was that after the 
failed Bay of Pigs invasion and the miss the Cuban Missile Crisis, where war was averted with with Russia due to a phone call that was made by John F. Kennedy to to Khrushchev on a phone line that the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the CIA did not know he had. And after threats of shutting down the CIA, the CIA came up with a plan to get rid of this snake in the grass thorn in their side. And with the approval of the highest highest level of the, the vice presidency, came up with a plan to work with not only Cuban, Cuban, uh, you know, Cuban agents, but also with the actual mafia to set up an assassination to off the president of the United States. According to the storyline, there were three men who were members of the agency, one of those men being a man whose wife had had an affair with Kennedy and was an actual active intelligence agent, were standing at the grassy knoll and behind the fence at the grassy knoll, and that there was another man standing on the far side of the bridge, and there was a guy shooting from one of the buildings, which they believe is John is, is Lee Harvey Oswald, and that a three-man team had actually fired upon and killed President of the United States. And this is supported by the fact that witnesses at, on the ground, including guys who were combat veterans, had said that they had heard shots and seen shots fired from multiple locations. And the governor of the of the of state of Texas himself was known, and this is not, you know, hearsay. This is something he actually did say. When the firing opened up and he was struck, he had said out loud, my God, they're going to kill all of us. He said, they are going to kill all of us. Yes. So you know, this, all this stuff happened, and then there was the whole thing with Jacqueline Kennedy made to get on the plane in the bloody outfit that she was still wearing while Lyndon Johnson was sworn in. Everything was swooped back to Washington as quick as they possibly could. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was was silenced by Jack Ruby, who later in prison had said that that he couldn't talk about why he did it and that he didn't know Lee Harvey Oswald, which was later proven false, that they were actually very good friends. And Lee Har and Jack Ruby was a known associate of the mafia who had owned uh, strip clubs in Chicago and in Dallas and was very much associated with the Chicago crime syndicates. And uh, everything was kind of swept under the rug. And so that that's the, the official story and the conspiracy story that is the most likely all tied into one. What are your questions? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's I, I'm an Occam's razor kind of guy. Right. And when, when I look at conspiracies like this, I mean, this is the quintessential conspiracy story because it has so many fucking moving parts. Yeah. And, you know, I, the, the way that you just told it is what, what I kind of think of as the uh, Forrest Gump of uh, JFK conspiracy theories because you got all the pieces together in this one thing. We've got the CIA on the grass. You know, we've got the Cubans involved over here. We've got the, the mob involved over here. And, you know, 25 years ago when we were when I first started looking at this, what you heard more often was it was either the Cubans or it was the Russians or it was the CIA or it was the mob. And what I'm hearing from you is that it is is some some sort of uh, amalgam of these working in concert to make it happen. Right. And, and, and there are a number of other uh, theories that you'll you'll hear as well. Uh, my personal favorite one doesn't involve any of those guys, 
And I believe that they were all working in concert somehow to try to do this. And like many good government uh, things, they fucked it up. And <laughs> I, I'm still one of those guys that thinks that George Hickey did it. But um, so uh, tell you us know. a little bit about that. Who is George for the for the listeners at home who okay. don't know who George Hickey is? There are a number of, of different things that lend to the, the grand conspiracy, the things that make the public not believe the government party line, mostly because there are certain things that are just obvious that they were trying to cover up. There are certain things that are just obvious lies. And one, one, of, the, one of the big things that stands out is the Secret Service that was protecting the time, they, they ended up taking certain evidence and covering up certain things, um, particularly things like the autopsy and uh, the, the bullets that they recovered and things like that. And there is a popular theory that I believe people say has been discounted at this point, but I like it. Um, and it's that while Lee Harvey Oswald was taking pot shots at the president from a school book depository, the Secret Service agents that uh, got a little bit liquored up the night before um, we're getting a little bit freaked out. Now, there was another car that was following behind the, was it the Lincoln, I guess? Yes. And uh, uh, in, in this follow-on car, you know, you have the agents that are running beside the car. You've got the agents that are in the follow-on car behind it. They have um, assault rifles, if like M16s, AR-15s, in, right. in, in the car behind them. And the, the theory is that George Hickey reached down to grab his assault rifle, and when he came back up with it, he had a, an accidental discharge or a misfire. Mm -hmm. And that discharge from his rifle was one of the shots that hit uh, Kennedy or the, the governor and um, so, or the congressman, I guess, I'm sorry. But in uh, that the Secret Service knew that one of their own had, oh no, I fucked up. I was trying to save the guy, I accidentally killed him. So then. They start scavenging stuff at the autopsy and taking these bullets, and they start covering stuff up to protect their own guy. Yeah. So right, right. To me, it makes much more sense that somebody screwed up and did this than these people were able to work out something so incredibly complicated as is what I believe all of the rest of the theories entail. Now that doesn't mean that I don't think that the mob had Jack Ruby kill him. So, so, so. He couldn't disclose stuff that he knew about the mob or stuff that he knew about the CIA. And, you know, I mean, there are a whole bunch of other moving parts to it. But and, and that's the the sexiness of this particular conspiracy is I've just spun off in one little direction and we could easily spend, like I said, the next yeah. two days doing this over and over and over again with different ideas that are all at least a little bit plausible. Sure. But none of them really work together, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that, that was one of the things that I think – all right, so as we said two weeks ago on the show that the actual phrase itself, conspiracy theory, is a phrase that was created by the CIA uh, and put out as a public – You know, there's a memo on it that, that you can find online because uh, it's one of the release memos that when, when, the, original, when the Warren Commission released, it said uh, allow conspiracy theories to, to, to run rampant and, con and call them conspiracy theories. So – the actual phrase conspiracy theory is a CIA-created phrase that was created in the aftermath of the JFK assassination as a way for them to discount any public questioning of the story. And and the beauty of it all, Sam, is that you're absolutely right. There are so many different 
stories out there now that, uh, you know, the amalgamation, as I say, of what of what uh, is commonly is popular among uh, special operations as to what happened. And then, you know, what you say, to, if I was not who I was in a past, your story, and I've read the Hickey, Hickey account, makes so much more sense. It even makes more sense than the than the Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, lone gunman yeah. one. Uh, there are things, though, that that I that me personally just can't discount, um, including the 104, 104 deaths of people connected witnesses or people who were investigated that occurred in the in the 18 months following the investigation. 104 of the main witnesses or the people that were investigated died. And, and many of them were just outright murders. Um, these kind of things, like people say that the best way, you know, you can't keep a, a lot of people say all the time, you can't keep a conspiracy like this secret because it's just too big. But you can keep it secret if 104 people have been killed because they ran their mouths about something. Um, Another thousand of them knew that 100 of them got killed. Right. <laughs> you know, so if, but so if you know, if the people that are out there are in the know and know little things here and there, um, in that initial, uh, in the initial information dump of what happened in Dallas, if you think that they'll kill anyone that says anything about this, you're likely to keep your mouth shut. And then after a couple of years, as the conspiracy theories rise up, me personally, I think that the communists had nothing to do with the, I don't think like the, the whole using Cuban, Cuban agents. I don't think there was any Cubans involved in this at all. Um, I believe that one of two things happened. I believe that either the story as it's told is exactly what happened or the story as I tell it without the Cuban involvement, where it was just the agency and the and the mafia uh, for their own particular reasons had everything to do with this. Because the mafia has been very good for years at keeping their mouth shut about something. So it's not that hard for them. To, I mean, we still to this day have no idea, you know, where where, you know, that one guy that used to run the Teamsters is. I mean, nobody knows where he is. That that's that's something that was so popular. You think that that would have come out. We have no idea. DB Cooper. Yeah. DB yeah. Or yeah. there's also D.B. Cooper. No, nobody knows where D.B. Cooper is. And yeah. so there, there's plenty of ways that, that, a, that, a, that a seeker can be kept if, if, it's, if the right buttons are pushed with the people that are involved in it. And also when you have people who are really in power and them staying in power relies on secrets being kept like this, uh, there's more than just wanting to run your mouth. You're not talking about common criminals here. You're talking about professionals who, who really know what they're doing and uh there's been a lot of deathbed confessions in in years in the years in the last couple of years by people um including the the white house plumbers the guys involved in the you know the the watergate uh who who say things like you know hey there there was something to this and every time somebody got close or, or tried to say something about it um they were wiped out now whether that's true or not we, we have no idea but it does it gets it grips america because like we said in the beginning how loved was jfk uh, nobody, you know, they loved him in the United States. We want to believe that more came of what happened to him than just some random American-hating ex-Marine right. uh, killed him. And that's not even discounting the fact that all evidence points to to Lee Harvey Oswald being a member of the agency in some way or another. Yeah, which I mean, is really he, fucked. He, too, the State the Department way. paid for his flight back exactly. from, the, from Russia. Well, here's a here's a gentleman who is in the Marines, correct? I mean, he was a Marine. He, yes. He gets out of service. He defects to fucking Russia. He 
gives up his American citizenship, goes to Russia, and then not only that, then what? Just a couple years later, he right comes after the U two right after Gary Powers okay. was shot down. So then he's he able he's able to come back, and not only him, he's now bringing his wife with Marina. He's bringing yep. her. Now, how the fuck? And it's all on the government's dime. How the fuck does that happen? Like, you know what I mean? How how well, is he it, able to do this? There's step after step after step with Oswald that that would would follow. I mean, if you're trying to write that story, you couldn't write the story of a a non-official operative, you know, any better than that played out. I, right. I mean, all of his. All of his relationships with the Communist Party when he was over here. I mean, and, and that's kind of where some of the Cubans come in. He was he was traveling around Florida, making contact with those people. But right up to the day, right up to the day, yeah, yeah, right up to the day where the police got him. Though, I mean, what 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 is a guy? What is a guy who has one handler in the agency, who had one job to do, and everything went to shit? What is he going to do? He's going to go to his his meeting place. He's going to wait for his contact to come give him more instructions on what we're going to do to unfuck this. Yeah. Instead he gets, he gets rolled. Yeah. He gets rolled up. Yep. Which, just, is, which goes to the whole thing of how did all those cops end up at the what, Texas movie yeah. theater when so nobody had called yeah. the cops. Exactly. <laughs> there, the person at the front desk said that, that she had not called the cops. She does not know where they came from. And the fact that he was arrested for killing a Dallas police officer that yeah, we haven't even talked about that yet. Exactly. Yeah, but like, so he, so this police officer gets shot and killed on the streets, apparently trying to stop Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. And this guy's body had not even gotten cold off the ground yet. And they're showing up to arrest the assailant. And let me tell you something else that just doesn't sit right with me. I come from a law enforcement family. And a law enforcement family from the from this all the way back to the fifties and sixties. If you killed a cop in the fifties and sixties, you didn't make it to the police station yep, alive. Exactly. This guy makes it alive to the police station for being arrested, not for being arrested for killing the president, but for killing a police officer. It, you now, know, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, <laughs> it's it's just dead. Something's fishy. Something's so, not right in Denmark. If, <laughs> if you will. Now I do know that in the in the. The months that were leading up to November, we start seeing very odd things in and around the Texas area and um, and Mexico as well. But we start seeing people that are claiming to be Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, they're introducing themselves. They're fairly loud, boisterous, kind of just being jackasses more or less, but they're using that name. Um, Lee Oswald, Lee Oswald, and it's constantly popping up. And I mean, even in the Warren report, you have all these photographs of supposed Lee Harvey Oswalds and not a single one of them fits, um, who we were introduced to as Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, the American public. Um, again, it doesn't make a lot of fucking sense. And back to like the Tippett thing, you know, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong on this guys, but, um, like uh, is it ballistics? Not ballistics. <clears throat> they do some sort of testing on uh, on your skin. The fuck is that called? Like to see oh, if you've GSR uh, gunshot residue. Yeah, there you are. So if you've even fired a weapon, and his came back negative, like he yeah, didn't even shoot a fucking gun that day. 
So he he was he shot the president with his with his with his Italian made friggin' rifle. Yeah, and that then, Carcano you know, an hour thing. Later, yeah, with it with it with a thirty eight pistol, he shoots and kills a cop, and neither one of those rifles that he fires in the same day. Yeah. come up on gunshot residue testing. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Now, I mean, Lee Oswald, anyway, is is an odd character in and of himself. Like, we could talk right. about just Lee Oswald for months. Um, I mean, they we know for a Patsy. fact, like, yeah, but he's the perfect guy, right? He is the perfect fucking fall guy. Number one, he's kind of shitty to his wife. He beats the shit out of her. We know this. Um, we know, he's though... Yeah, he's like passing out pro Castro leaflets on the streets of New Orleans right in front of the federal fucking Bureau of Investigation building. Well, like, wa- you know, in between him walking in to check into with his contacts. It's amazing to me. Like, I have walked the streets of New Orleans on those exact addresses. Now, obviously, that address that he was using at that time that was posted on those leaflets. That building has since been torn down. It is now something else entirely. Um, But it is right in the heart of the intelligence community of New Orleans. Who the fuck has that big of nuts? Or who is that stupid? But I don't, I would say, I would argue that Lee Harvey Oswald was not that dumb of of a man. I would say he did have a temper. Obviously, we saw that with his wife. But apparently, he was a stand up father to his children. That's, it's what I've heard. Um, it's interesting shit, man. You have Marina, his wife, just minutes after he was freaking hauled into uh, that into a jail, basically. They put Marina, and they're dragging her in, and they got cameras all up in her face, and she's like, he didn't do this. He's a good man. He's a good husband. She literally said these words. 24 hours later, she comes freaking out there again on camera, and she's all dolled up and looking gorgeous. And she says, nah, I have too much evidence. Yeah, he did it. And right, then she switches right. her that fast. That fast. It's ridiculous. And now, just in the past few years, she's like, no, he didn't do it. It's like, did the that, cheese that just... slide off her cracker or what? <laughs> <laughs> she had to have seen the writing on the wall for her future exactly. anyway as exactly. a Russian immigrant at the time with no... Bingo. I mean, she's going to do whatever the hell somebody told her to do. Yep. Whose father was a member of the proletariat, you know. Yes. Yeah, she she couldn't go back because, uh, you know, she was. Con- I mean, the the Russians they were not very forgiving of their defectors either. So exactly. Now, now, Jeff, you talked a little bit about the CIA agents that were over toward the grassy knoll. We've got Lee Harvey Oswald. Who have either of you guys been to the Texas School Book Depository? I've been there once. I've been, I've been to Chili Plaza. I haven't been in the what was at the time the Texas School Book Depository. It's now something else, I believe. It's well, still it's, there. It's, it's, it's actually it's, still it's office now a museum. But they, they have it's a museum and they've actually rebuilt it to look like it looked that day. I mean, they have right. the rifle laying there at the window with all. And, but you've been up there, Josh. Is that right? I've been to the sniper's nest. Yes. OK. Uh, now, now, Jeff, you're a shooter. Mm-hmm. I have been known to be called one. There, there is there, there's a lot of talk about. This really shitty Italian rifle that Lee Harvey Oswald had. Now, to be fair, he's a Marine, and Marines are, I mean, it's just, just how it is. They can sure. just shoot. Oh, God, here we go. That's right. right. But, Sam, please put out the disclaimer <laughs> that we all know you were a Marine. Right. I mean, so, But that notwithstanding, the fact that he had to have just clearly been a fantastic shooter anyway. Must have been. Had to have been, yeah. yeah. He's shooting with, with just what is a piece of shit Italian rifle. But to. 
there's a question that there is either three shots or maybe even four shots. I think we ultimately decide there's four shots. Well, there's the, shot the, in the such official story says three. Right, That's, right. But, but, but we all later, know there was four. We decide there's four. They're shot in such a rapid succession that with this bolt-action rifle with open shots, shooting at a really awkward angle down through some trees yeah, through at the a foliage, moving target yeah. yep. that, that for the some of the best shots out there, this is difficult at least. <laughs> and to have the, the level of success that this guy, who we then decide has to be just completely insane, for right. him to have been that successful is just just confusing yes so so then we have the idea that we have all of these people who are filming and watching and shitting and waving and taking all these pictures everybody says we heard another shot and we heard bullets coming from over here mm -hmm. so that gets us to these people on the grassy knoll talk about that a little bit talk about and then not to mention the fact that we have the trajectory of a bullet coming from the school book depository that seems to have zigzagged up and down and left and right the magic bullet through yeah. this person and through the other person and then back again out again so so now, talk about those things a little bit because that's that stuff's fascinating to me as well right so with the magic bullet as in, as anyone that uh, and the best best way for bullet uh, theory to be described is is for, for people out there who haven't seen it, to go watch the, the, the movie JFK and, and have the, the magic bullet portion described to them. So this bullet apparently enters enters the, the neck of JFK, then, then goes down and hits his, hits his wrist. And then when it hits his wrist, it turns and goes through his other arm and then, and then turns again and, and goes through the seat and into Connolly. Um, now, all of that, I'm willing to, to, to admit the fact that when a bullet that is tumbling at distance um, striking bone can change direction, but here's where the magic bullet becomes magical. It goes through the left wrist of Kennedy out into midair and then turns in midair and then goes back forward again through the seat into Connolly. Now this is the, where the magic bullet is. This is where, like, like Stam said, this is where it loses all credibility. I don't care how much physics that you've been through, uh, unless you are, Thanos with with the Infinity Gauntlet and messing with the Reality Stone, a bullet does not change direction, and not just change direction, but change direction 180 degrees in midair and go the other direction. So, right. where does the other bullet come from? It's like you said, there was the grassy knoll, which was to the front right of of Kennedy's car as he was traveling. There was a a combat veteran of World War II named Lee Bowers. Who was standing on the on the the uh, the grassy knoll? I think he was there with his daughter, and as the first shots started to come in, uh, much with the regular story, they were coming from the opposite direction of him at at the car, and he doesn't know whether it was coming from the opposite side of the of the highway or the yeah. of the road towards the the far side by the bridge, or if it was coming from the school book depository. He's willing to admit that he doesn't know, but what he does know is that at least one shot came from behind him. Behind this fence at the grassy knoll, yes. where he had saw, seen, th and identified three gentlemen who were standing there. Uh, he saw a puff of smoke. He saw. He heard. He heard and felt the the, the round pass by him, uh, and and turned and and then identified these three guys who were at the grassy knoll. Who quickly, well, they were called the three hobos, I believe. Yeah. Is, is now the now the now the phrasing. That's right. Yeah. And uh, these three hobos. Who were later identified as three random transients 
who who were were very quickly identified, but then ne- never seen or heard from again. Yeah. <laughs> but later on, uh, there was three intelligence agents who were members of the what was called the the White House Plumbers. Uh, one of them being, as we spoke before, one of them being the husband of a woman who was known to have an affair with John F. Kennedy and had died mysteriously also had been murdered. This woman who had this affair with John F. Kennedy, uh, her husband being a CIA. This is not something that's not true. This woman had an affair with John F. Kennedy. He was debaucherous at best and and then went out and then, you know, really was trying to to uh, spread the Kennedy legacy all over Washington <laughs> and everywhere else, if, if you would. And uh, they were caught in the act of, of, of being being wrong. And uh, she ended up being murdered uh, mysteriously. And her husband ended up being in Dallas that day and identified as one of these three guys, which yeah. leads to if you're going to send someone to make sure that the job gets done right, do you not send a guy who's got all the motivation in the world already to put a bullet in the president's head right. and sending one of sending a guy who's who knows that the president's been betting his wife? Yeah. And so that that's the that's the grassy knoll. And I know that that goes. I can see Sam's already cringing. At the thought of it, but it's it, it is just part of the story, and whether it's true or not, I don't know, and I have no evidence one way or the other. But but this is the, um, much like you said, the the magic bullet theory. It, it's obvious to anyone who knows anything about ballistics that that there's no way that if you watch the this Pruder film, that last shot does not come from behind him. That sure. last shot comes from in front of him. Absolutely. Well, and there were there were a lot of problems at the time for investigators, the people who were legitimately trying to figure out what the hell happened, because the shape of of the area of Daly Plaza down there, sound in around buildings does weird things anyway. Yes. Right. So you have a whole bunch of lay people who who don't have any reason to know where sounds are going to come from. And when you're shooting guns and you're shooting in, in either canyons or hills or, or around buildings, that echo just goes crazy all over the place. And they, they've used that to, to explain away the fourth bullet or, you know, mm-hmm. why, why people thought something happened here and why things, why people thought something happened here. But if you've ever been on the wrong end of bullets coming across you, <laughs> it makes it, there, there's a different sound. There's a different feel. Sure. And a bullet just going over your head makes a, a weird crack that doesn't yeah. sound like uh, the the powder exploding. It's 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 actually the bullet breaking the sound barrier, right. the sound barrier yeah. over your head. So the idea that there's someone there who had been in that situation who knew what that sounded like uh, and was able to articulate it as what's essentially an expert. Right. Even hours would be a subject kinds, matter expert. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. A different kind of credibility than just the regular onlookers. Who are, are just freaked the hell out because people are shooting around them, well, not... and, and and eyewitnesses are are incredibly unreliable anyway. Yes, so right. you know, but like well, with, I, if with anyone's Bauer... ever heard the the audio of the 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 Las Vegas shooting, um, oh yeah, you hear yeah. that, and you hear a lot of the witnesses say that they're, and which leads to the conspiracy theories in that about multiple people being there shooting at any given time. I've listened to the audio of that, and you're absolutely right. And it's something I can't deny that there is odd sounds that are made when you're firing inside of uh, channelized canyons like that. And so I can understand everything up until, like you said, the fact that this guy is a subject matter expert of of the sound of gunfire going by, and that right. that pop and snap of of a round. And and Sam is absolutely right. Being someone who has been shot at multiple times, I can tell you there is a specifically different sound that is made when a bullet passes 
over you, by you, or around you. And uh, he said that that was that was in fact what led him to turn and look exactly. behind him was knowing that that was the that was the sound of a, of a bullet passing by him. And he got to think also too, though like... the one bystander who was shot was shot in and he had taken shrapnel yeah from an opposite direction of where you where ballistically the the, the bullet fragments should have went and that was to uh, the back left of the vehicle right and that's James Tegg he was standing underneath the uh, underneath the fucking overpass there. Uh, right. was hit by that right. fragment, you know, and it's just like got him right in the cheek, I think. Um, the interesting thing, like with Bowers, like you were guys were talking about, like not only his military background, number one, but I mean, number two, he worked in that train yard that's right behind that mm-hmm. fence. That's where he fucking worked. He was very familiar with that area. That yes, exactly. He was very familiar with that area. Um, now, he obviously he was one of the guys that. Uh, Oddly, died as well in a car wreck. Yes, one of the um, one hundred and four. Exactly. So very one, interesting. One of the other one other thing about the magic bullet, in addition to the fact that bullets don't turn in midair, and and to be fair, bullets do really really weird things when sure they hit. Did, yeah. Just almost, uh, they will do the craziest things that you can't imagine. I've seen places where bullets just went at really weird arcing angles, and it's just insane. But it's very rare that a bullet is going to go through a person in multiple places and come out completely unscathed. They're, yeah. by their very nature, designed to to shred to pieces so they can do the, the most most damage. Right. Yet, this magic bullet purportedly went through all of this. Uh, it went through the neck and then the wrist and then Connolly. And then didn't it wind up just like sitting on the seat? They found it on the stretcher. They found it on the stretcher, on the stretcher yeah. that yeah. they had yeah. that they had brought Connolly in yeah. at the hospital, completely <laughs> unmolested. Yeah. Just is the word they used, pristine. which is just impossible. You're right. I mean, <laughs> you, you cannot reproduce that. No. Of, of all of the weird things bullets do, it's like this idea of entropy. Things only get worse. They don't ever get better. And <laughs> that one, nothing happened. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. You think about the. How tough skin is, how dense bone is. Um, yeah, there's no fucking way. There's absolutely no way to reportedly cause. I believe it was like nine different wounds, entries and exits and things of that nature. I mean, there's just no way. There's no while way. passing through bone, uh, you know, fabric and and spring metal. Yeah, that's seating, a good point too. Yeah, um, other stuff like that. It went through more than just, yeah. you know, flesh. It went through bone and it went through a seat. Yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Just be left in, on the stretch, then to fall out of Connolly's wrist magically yeah, yeah. onto the stretcher and look like it just, like it hadn't even been put into a bullet casing yet. Right. Like somebody <laughs> just got it out of the tap die set. You know, it's, it's to me, it's it's just it again. It, we're back in Denmark, and, and things things are not right. Yeah, <laughs> Hamlet, no. Hamlet couldn't have said it better. <laughs> It's interesting so, to so, me, like going through uh, you know, with all wrapping this. it up, Josh. Um, yeah, I guess I guess we can only come down to what is it like? We got three guys here. We've each talked about it. I I, I would yeah. dare say here here's my opinion, uh, my unbiased and my my professional, uh, if not uh, slightly more in in the know opinion about everything. I do believe that there were there were there were that. Oswald, I cannot say whether or not Oswald was a part of the operation as an active participant. I will say that I do believe that he was left to hold the bag. 
Yeah. I do believe he was silenced. I believe that Jack Ruby was a part of that silencing. And I do believe that whether or not it was a cover up to cover up the mistake of a, a, you know, half hungover, uh, agent that, that while they made other bad decisions, like letting him drive in an open top vehicle down a, uh, you know, multiple turn street, which is just the first thing you don't do when you're talking about professional uh, security details and private security details. But there were so many mistakes made and there were so many odd things that I believe that there was some kind of a cover up here. And I, I can't say for sure, you know, what, it, what levels it goes to, but when you look at the means motive and opportunity and who benefits the most, and the fact that there were just so many different things that were unfortunately covered up and kept secret. And the fact that we, to this day, are not allowed to see those documents when there's absolutely no reason for us not to if the story is what the story is supposed to be. Right. Um, I believe there was something to it. Yeah. Sam, what about you, brother? Man, I... I believe... A lot of the stuff that Jeff just said, you know, I mean, I, I believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy. I mean, there's just just it just seems almost obvious at this point. It's just two in your face um, and, and that Jack Ruby was part of the cover up uh, as far as the why goes. You know, I, I don't I don't know who's I mean, th there are too many motives there mm -hmm. and too many motives across too many people who didn't really like each other. Yeah. So the idea that they would come together on this uh, for their own weird, weird, bizarre common good, I have a hard time thinking that that could work while still keeping everybody quiet. So so all, all that means is that he'd pissed off a lot of people and one of them got the job done. The question is whether or not they were all trying to do it or whether they were doing it together. I don't know. Yeah. But somebody knows. The simple fact that these documents are out there, they were scheduled by law to be released – and in a time where we have a president that is just completely shrouded by his own um, all kinds of, of nastiness going on, this guy's looking for anything to divert attention off of himself. And this would be the perfect thing. And whatever's in those pages is so very inflammatory that it's either going to unwind the federal government for the people or it's going to unseat people that are, are somehow in power somewhere. Yeah. There or. There, there's something in there that's so bad that Trump, who would love to deflect from himself, has has been convinced not to release it. That sure. that means either he believes legitimately that it's bad for America to release that, or somebody who controls that information controls information about him to the extent that they've said, you know what, we're probably not going to talk about this, or we're going to talk about something else. Yeah. Right. So. And, and if you believe in conspiracies, why not take it all the fucking way to to decide that that if there are people out there that were powerful enough to do this and to keep it covered up, that, that they're still not working in the backgrounds, in the shadows to to make sure that their stories stay secret, you know. Yeah. Um, but they've certainly kept us talking and, and it's it's fascinating, if nothing else. It's a little bit scary, but fascinating. Yeah. And, and I don't know. And I don't think that we will know because now's the time. And, and if it didn't happen now, why, why would it ever? It's a pretty good point that you make there, too. Like if it hasn't happened yet and for all intents and purposes, it fucking should have. Um, like what is so damning in there now? Does it have anything to do with the fact that, you know, the mayor of of Dallas, Texas was also 
the brother of the director of the CIA. You know, <laughs> was it? Um, was the assistant it director for operations of operations being a president of the United States, and he's still alive. Thank you. And that's just but it. You know, Wouldn't Dallas, it be something? to me? Dallas to me is almost just opportunity. I mean, yes, it, it, there are those other connections there, but once something this big happens, and once you have a million pages of documents, it's easy to start drawing um, comparisons and connections that may or may not be related. And that just tends to muddy it up even more. Sure. So, you know, you're right. All of those things are there, but uh, you know, is the is the correlation causation? Is that really a legitimate connection to to the issue? I, I don't know. I, in, in, right. I, I don't know. Yeah. And I want to be clear about something too. Is when when we talk about like George Bush being the assistant director of operations, I would say that if 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 his name being in there has anything to do with it, it would be more of it was on his watch and there's things in there that he is responsible for by being in charge. Sure. Um, and, I, and, and I don't think that he has anything to do with it directly. So, at least he knew about it. Uh, or, or knew something after the fact that would right. lead to, would bring, yeah. bring, yeah. you know, bad image on him and, and the organization. And so that, that's where I, I don't think anyone that is alive or anybody that was in, in power since then uh, directly was like, this is what we're going to do. I think this is more of a CYA. Cover sure. your ass for failures, uh, yeah. uh, much like uh, what everyone you know wants 9/11 conspiracies to be. You know, it's the government just you know they did this. Well, I think that would be something that you that they very well could have covered up that they failed, but they didn't. And this might be why things like that were covered up because you just don't want to look incompetent. You don't want to look like you just dropped the ball. You'd rather make just look like it was circumstantial and then and then cover up because the second that you say yeah we could, we failed at this. We should have known, or we had a guy that was doing up because there was no secret that there were there were double agents and people in in all kinds of government that were working for both sides on yeah. both ends. And God, would it be just damning to the CIA that was already you know to find out that one of its agents uh, was was working for somebody that had malintent, and now they've got to own the fact that this guy was a vetted, trusted agent. Um, so I could see people in charge being like, "Well, we'll just push this all under a carpet." Because we don't want to go, we'd, we'd rather just not have everyone know that we fucked this up by this guy being in, in a position where he was in. And, you know, just let people think that we had something to do with it rather than come out and say, yeah, we just fucked up. This guy had too much, we had too much trust when he shouldn't have had it. You know, if it was just, if it was something like that. So I, I don't want to put any shade on anyone that's alive out there without any, any, any cause. Because uh, yeah. I don't believe that that's the case. But I believe that it's more embarrassment and, and not wanting to own the mistakes that were made. In, yeah, in retrospect, what what I would say about that though, the level that he was at, and again, I I don't know, I don't know nothing about nothing, but <laughs> but at the level that he was playing at at the time, and so many of these people, when whatever it was that was supposed to happen, probably didn't happen the way they thought it was going to. I think is probably fair to say, and when they're sitting in a room working on damage control at this time to figure out how are we going to spin this in our favor? How are we going to cover up what we need to cover up? At some point, you get to a level where there aren't that many people left to be in that room making those decisions. Right. And your director of operations is at a level to be in the room at that right. time. So it, one other thing that I wanted to, to just touch on a little bit that I, that I think is fascinating uh, about this is when you talk about the idea that the CIA coined the term conspiracy theory mm -hmm. and, and this is the first time that we can go back and we can really see the idea of 
um, misinformation being built and put out, the idea of counterintelligence used on a on a mass scale, yes, and and how that's grown all the way up through, and this is something that we see in our everyday lives right now, right up through the the Russian meddling. When you look at how Russian meddling happened, whoever it is that's supposed to be paying attention to Facebook to make sure people don't go on there and and and, and cheat with us, um, you know, <laughs> um, the, the the idea that that those people are going out and they're finding these crazy wackadoo stories and they're putting them out there as as real news to to feed the the the, the fire and fuel these conspiracy ideas and spin things one way or another. I mean, it's it's just a bigger, better, more technologically adept version yes. of what they started doing back then. It's interesting I, that I you bring that up. Josh, yeah. Because I, I work at Cisco Systems right. and IT right. and uh, <laughs> networking. So he's just like, right. fuck. Nice little jab by Sam to Jeff. <laughs> but it's interesting, though, that you bring that up, Sam, because literally like two weeks ago when we had Jeff on, we started talking about that. And, and the similarities, again, you know, between the 60s and now and mm-hmm. – you know, conspiracy theory was a term that was then coined, and now we have, you know, just fake news because it's fucking easier to say, right? So it's just fake news, fake news, fake news that is just thrown down our fucking well, throats. Except now the conspiracy theory guys are the crazies. Yes. Fake news is just the regular people. That's just, yep. Right. Fake yeah, news yep. is what we're being fed by the people in That's just pulling string. Regular conspiracy people. theories exactly. are the flat earthers. Right. Yeah, there right. you go. There you go. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Guys, I love Josh, this. Man, thanks for having us on. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys so much, especially like going to bat for Koopsik, being a bitch. <laughs> I feel like somebody should check on him. He'll be fine. Uh, well, he, him, him and Jenna Corbett are having a three-way with a gray alien right now. So. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. He's like so nasty. It's just gross. It's so nasty. Uh, apparently, Jen has become part of the ectoplasm family. I'm going to have to catch back up. I'm a few episodes behind. She, she was on the episode after me. Yeah, she was. Just last wow. week. Yeah. She, was good they, went, they went from me discounting Mothman to Jenna Corbett butt sex and, and friggin having and going out to West, going out to Arkansas to search for friggin weirdo friggin shit in the woods, yes. which I was like, I'll skip that trip. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing you have to say, Jenna, like, lo- lover, hater, whatever. I love her. I love she's her. great. Last, yeah, she's but great. she is always a fucking wild card. You don't know. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. You are spinning the wheel. You don't <laughs> know what's going to happen. She'll up with, right? To... Right, Sam? Who she'll bring with her to Kansas City? Oh, you know? man, that's a good <laughs> time. That's the scariest man I've ever good seen. Times. Oh, my God. Jo- Josh fun. was almost there in Kansas City. You didn't get to see him about... up there, did you, Jeff? No. no, I didn't. I did not. I never got to meet Josh until I was on the show, but he. I missed him by a couple minutes. Yeah. That first night, yeah, showed up late. But then, uh, so Josh has seen who Jenna brought with her. The, the no, guy, the guy that was. Uh, no, actually, I don't. I don't no. think he was there. That I wasn't there. He, he wasn't there. See, he. I'm pretty sure that up until they caught the Golden State Killer, I was. I was convinced he was the <laughs> Golden State Killer. That's how creepy that guy was to me. Oh my god! I think he's a big fan too. I mean, he <laughs> definitely killed each one of us in his head 16 times oh, there at once. That's great. That's great. <laughs> he really wanted. He really wanted to murder us all. <laughs> good times. Good times. It's oh my god! Great being involved in podcasting. Hell yes! It man. is. It is. So, yes. hey, thanks again, Josh, man. I'll, I'll let you. This is your show, man. So even though I'm the I'm the guest co-host tonight for Jason Coops <laughs> and Sam Rafone, I'll let you close us out here. I love it. All right, guys. So here's the deal. If you have any comments of your own 
direct them all to Koopsik at 913-730-7255. Now, gentlemen, real quick, though, where can they where can they reach you? If they want more information or if they like what you said uh, and they maybe want to discuss a little further with you, where can they reach you guys? You can email me at jeff at changerpov.com. You can find me on Facebook at Changing Hearts and Minds Podcast, on Twitter at Changing Hearts and Minds Podcast, or you can go to any of your podcast you know, aggregators and look for changeyourpovpodcast.com. And the Wednesday show on that RSS feed is the Changing Hearts and Minds Podcast, which is my show. And uh, you can check out uh, myself on there. I, I do all kinds of history, military history shows and uh, veterans awareness shows. I even get guys like Sam Culper to come on there and do shows with me stuff. about the Band of Brothers and uh, a little bit of a secret up- upcoming on my show soon will be Sam Culper coming on to talk about um, the the actual Culpers, the 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 real people that had the name, the the Washington spy ring. So that's as a show that's coming up. I'm looking very forward to doing that show with Sam. Nice. Uh, we're going to break down the uh, the history of the Washington spy ring and, and the Culpers. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited awesome. too. Hey, you can find me. Uh, you can tweet me at Sam Culper, and that's Culper with a K, not like the spy ring. <laughs> Uh, but you can tweet me. I'll check that here in a couple of weeks and maybe get back with you a couple of weeks after that's kind of the, the pace I am right now on that. I'm one half of the ill-fated breakers podcast. So if you really want to listen to, uh, to our fun, uh, post-apocalyptic podcast and then join the thousands who are currently pissed off at me because yeah. it doesn't have an end, then uh, go anywhere <laughs> at breakers podcast across social media and, uh, listen, look for us on anywhere you get your pods. But uh, we do an audio drama called Breakers, and uh, right now everybody's mad. <laughs> everybody, everyone's mad. Because it's so right now, the fucking good. The post-apocalyptic world is not post-apocalyptic. It's, it's present-apocalyptic. <laughs> present-apocalyptic. That's right. That's, right. So. Oh, that's great stuff. All right, guys. Thank you so much again for joining us. And we will talk to you all very, very soon. Peace out.